Hey, welcome back to First Generation, a podcast for the first generation Asian kids navigating adulthood. I'm so glad you came back for the second episode because this week I'm interviewing Tina, a woman of many talents. She's a product designer, photographer, and entrepreneur, and she's the creator of No More Ugly, a beautifully crafted line of leather camera bags that aims to rid the world of ugly design one camera bag at a time. And she's first-generation Chinese-Australian. I met her here in Hong Kong. And we'll talk about the concept of being a, quote, banana, how our connection with our roots has changed over time from high school to now as working adults, and some interesting memories we had growing up, like going to Chinese school on the weekends, which was definitely not fun. Um, and so, yeah, I hope some of this resonates with you and can be of service as you reflect on your own journey with your roots. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Tina is a really good friend of mine. I met her at the company that I work at now. Um, she's a designer there. And more importantly, we just always talk about um, a lot of topics about being Asian, whether in the US or Australia. So I'm really excited to have her here today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, yeah, so uh, where were you born and raised? Because I, I feel like your background is um, very interesting, actually. You moved around quite a bit. Mm, so um, I was born in Sydney, um, and then I moved to Hong Kong when I was a little kid, I think from two to about 10 years old I was mm. living in Hong Kong with my dad um, and then from 10 years old I moved back to Sydney and I lived with my grandparents um, for about well actually I moved back to Australia for pretty much like 19 20 years and yeah I kind of got bored in Sydney so eventually I was like oh I need to um, mm -hmm. move somewhere and you know wanted to experience something different so then last year I moved to Hong Kong because uh, my dad had, is still living here mm. so moved here last year and then mm. that's where I met Jen and Anita <laughs> um during the 10 years that you lived in Hong Kong yeah did you go to international school here Yes. For my primary school years, um, I went to Australian International School. So actually, I don't have any schooling, any experience or background in local Hong Kong schools. Hold up. There's an Australian International School in Hong Kong. Yeah, that's where my brother hmm. goes to. Oh. Yeah. So it's like Australian syllabus mm -hmm. and... Yeah. and everything so when you moved to australia did you already have an australian accent before you moved there i don't know actually i didn't really think about that i think i did a bit already like definitely not american mm. accent but i also don't remember how good my english was to be honest back then it was pretty like just conversational because mm. um, i was pretty young but my friends like obviously i spoke english with and then i wasn't good at like mandarin because we learned mandarin at school but it was very very like mm. preliminary mandarin and then we didn't speak cantonese like i spoke cantonese at home so wow. but that's why now i can't read or write mm. um traditional chinese so in australian international school in hong kong yeah you learned mandarin australian english mm. and then you went home and you spoke cantonese to your family yes wow that's so impressive. Yeah, I think also when I moved back to Australia, I lived with my grandparents. And mm -hmm. so I had to speak Cantonese with them because they couldn't understand or they weren't very good at English. So then mm -hmm. I kept my Cantonese speaking skills. Yeah, now looking back, I'm like, I'm so happy that I got to mm. keep my Cantonese like verbal skills because I know that if it wasn't for my grandparents and needing to speak to them in Cantonese, like yeah. I would be horrible mm. right now. So at least now I can like get around, but I can't really read or write. I can read a little bit. And then you stayed in Australia for university? Yeah, I never moved away from Sydney actually. Um, so living in Sydney, uni in Sydney. So I studied um, business in uni and I majored in marketing. Like, so after I graduated, um, I got my first job and then I realized how boring marketing was and so I studied graphic design while I was working full-time um, and then actually that's how I now am in design because mm. yeah like I, I always knew my interest wasn't necessarily like fully in marketing but then I don't know for me it was always between business and design so I think where I'm at now I'm pretty happy because 
I get the best mm. of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a couple of jobs in Sydney. Then you created your own company, mm. which we won't get too much into today, I think. But uh, maybe in a future episode, you can share more about it. Um, yeah. And then after that, you had this idea of coming to Hong Kong and you eventually made it work. But something that we always talk about, um, and I think just getting into the meat of today's conversation, um, what we always talk about is this idea of a banana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for all of those who don't understand what banana means, what it what does it mean? Like, how do you interpret that term? So I think very literally, it's yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, how I interpret that term, I guess, is it different from, you know, when I first heard it versus now? Probably not, because I think the meaning, mm. it's the same, but it's more whether I identify mm. with it or not. The interpretation is literally like, you know, I'm Chinese, but... Mm-hmm. You're culturally the, not Chinese on the inside. Yeah, like, like lifestyle, maybe like thinking I'm not uh, fully Chinese. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I How I always interpreted it was that banana was used to describe people, let's say Asian Americans or Chinese Americans who actively rejected their culture. Mm. That's how like the term was kind of used in my social circle back in oh. New York, like growing up, like in high school. So whenever I hear that term, I actually associate it with a negative idea. Did you get defensive? Yeah. Yeah. What did, what, how did you, what um, did you say? Like, how did you respond? Yeah. No one, I didn't hear people call me a banana. Like it wasn't, I think by the time I heard that term, I was already like a couple of years into high school, but um, growing up though, I would get comments like, like from my non-Asian friends, cause where I grew up in New York, it was super mixed, right? So my social group used to be pretty mixed as well. Um, and you know, some of my friends who were, let's say white would say things like, oh, but Jen, you're not really Asian, you know? Mm. And that's supposed to be interpreted as like a good thing. Right. And I knew that they meant it as a good thing and they didn't mean to offend me, but how I took it at the time was they mean it to be a compliment which is to say that like the way that they think of, like they just mean that I'm one of them and that I'm not really that different from them. But it felt really weird that that's, cause it didn't feel right. I, I mean, at least for me, I told you, like I do culturally like engage with like Chinese music or uh, Chinese TV shows and I speak Chinese to my family back home. So it kind of feels like, oh my God, like, I'm living a fraudulent life because when I go to school, everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, but Jen's not really that Chinese, you know? Mm, yeah. And then little do they know, like my, well, back then it wasn't Spotify. It was like on your MP3 player or your iPod, you would have, like, I would have a ton of Chinese music. And so I'd feel like a fraud um, always. And so I guess that's how I interpreted banana. If they had access to that term, my friends at the time, I think they would have called me that. Um, and I didn't really identify with it, but I also, it was like this weird relationship because I felt, I also felt like it's a compliment and I was kind of happy that I felt like they, that they felt like I was one of them, but yeah, it was always just really contradictory, I think. But I feel like you had a very different interpretation of that word, right? You just meant it as like a, actually, I don't know. How did you interpret that? Okay. So I don't remember exactly how I heard this word, but then... Mm -hmm. And I don't think, actually thinking about it, no, it was always Asians who said it to me. Mm. So, and when, so when they said it, I was like, oh my God, that word is perfect. Like Mm. it really does describe how I feel Mm. and that it's okay. And obviously Uh like, because Mm -hmm. there is this term that other people are like this, uh, I don't know. It was, I think it was just different. Like, oh, there's this term that describes how I feel um, Mm. and obviously other people feel a similar way Mm. like in my head i thought it was maybe created by asians like to describe Mm. themselves so i actually yeah identified with it yeah i identified with it but i also think my experience in high school was maybe quite different Mm -hmm. from yours um in the sense that like my group was also quite mixed but to be honest like it was pretty white Mm. and then like my close friends were um, 
like my best friend was Indonesian and and then close friends were Chinese but honestly like I think my school maybe had like 15 percent Asians Mm. is that not a lot compared to like your school see that's the crazy like so starting from middle school no sorry elementary school middle school it was always really mixed i was always like one of the minority of people who Mm. were chinese um or asian and then suddenly in high school the public school i went to you kind of had to like test into it or whatever and it was just 60 percent asian different kinds of asian right so not just chinese or east asian but suddenly now i'm the majority and it felt it was like the weirdest social experiment i felt like because I don't know about, I would love to hear about your um, high school experience. But for me, yeah, now suddenly I'm in the majority. And very early on, you can already see social cliques forming around race, right? Or like that's at least the most visible theme that I saw. Like the Asians would hang out with the Asians and like the white people would hang out with the white people, etc. Um, there was like, I guess, cross-pollination. <laughs> not the term but yeah there was mixing for sure but yeah i definitely saw these groups forming and i remember trying to like in like my freshman year my first year of high school like try to like go to like the asian group right because i'm like oh my god my people (laughs) and i never had that before but uh for some reason i just didn't it wasn't probably had nothing to do with race thinking back right it was just like yeah maybe we just didn't click in the same way or um, maybe I had too high hopes for what those initial interactions would be and just would be. And just because it didn't meet that threshold, suddenly I'm like, oh no, we don't really get along. Um, but yeah, so then I didn't really fit in there either. And my high school group actually became, you know, a couple of like white people, me, a couple of Asian, Asian folks. And then also my best friend in high school was Hispanic. So We kind of had a mix there and it felt comfortable for me. But yeah, I still would get those comments like from really well-meaning friends. Um, I'm not upset or anything. It was just more like, oh, I have this feeling of like it's both a compliment, but also a backhanded kind of slap in a way um, that they didn't mean to give. But just the, the whole idea that like because you're less Asian or you're less Chinese, you're more like me. So that's that was always something I kind of struggled with. Yeah. So you heard that term when you were in high school? Yeah, I don't know by who. Maybe it was actually you like used by an Asian person to describe me because they maybe saw that I didn't have like an Asian group or something and so that was like the um assumption that oh Jen must be like super white on the inside, but like little did they know mm-hmm. I went home and watched TVB dramas. <laughs> yeah. I I th- okay, so I think I heard that term when I was in uni. Um, but I love how it's so interesting because I think our high school experiences were very different. Mm. And yeah, you saying that your school was like 60% Asian. Oh my God. Yeah. So different from my experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh my God. It's, I think like there's so much like we can yeah. unravel about like high school yeah. experience. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> Let's go into it, Tina. Okay. So my high school was like a Christian school. So we had to wear... I mean, firstly, we wore uniforms, wow. which is very different from <laughs> the States. And we had like those, we, we had these wide brim straw hats that we had to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, our, it was super strict. Like we had a blazer. You always have to wear your blazer on the outside. Your, wow. your socks had to be white and like to your ankles, like that type of strictness. Um, and yeah, I guess like where I lived, it was... I don't know, like, it's it's white, but exactly the suburb I, I lived, it's actually a big Asian community because mm. um, there are good schools um, in in that suburb. And, like, one of the top schools, which is a public school, mm. um, which is, like, 90% Asian, um, mm. uh, yeah, it's a top school and it's in, in my suburb. But anyway, I guess just back to like painting a picture of you know my high school experience it was like super white and I don't know like my feeling of being in high school was definitely like I had to really change or like learn about this Australian lifestyle Mm. and what people did I I don't know like it's actually really hard to explain because me moving from Hong Kong to Australia 
at like 10 or 11, I guess that's like your prime, like when you get into your teenage mm-hmm. years. And it was pretty tough for me because when I was, I don't know, like Australian international school, like, yes, you know, I learned like Australian syllabus and maybe I had an Australian accent. But like, honestly, when I mm. moved into this like school all of a sudden yeah. in Australia, like I was, I had no idea what was happening. Actually, mm. I was like so lost. Because mm. um, there's more to culture than just language, right? Yeah, for sure. Like customs and like what people, like mannerisms and just like common topics are different. You have to learn all of that. Yeah, like I actually like could not understand what people were talking about. <laughs> like, honestly, like I couldn't get what they were, like girls were talking about and... Yeah, it was just the classes, like the activities that the classes were doing, like I was so confused and Mm. it took a few years for me to like get into the groove of Australian Mm. lifestyle. Um, I think also, I think I tried really hard to, it's almost like I was trying so hard to be like white on the inside. Yeah. And then it's almost like I became that because I... You know, like, you, you know how you said, like, you watch, like, you still watch TVB, you listen mm-hmm. to Chinese music. And I think I did in the beginning, like, when I first um, moved back to Australia for mm-hmm. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you told me you loved um, Aaron Kwok. Yeah, and then Tan Wai Lam and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I really liked them. But then, honestly, like, when I turned 12, 13, I just got into the groove of, like, Western music. And then I've never looked back since. Like, I don't listen to any asian mm-hmm. music like i don't listen to k-pop like nothing mm-hmm. um and can i can we say like canter <laughs> like yeah, bowl keck, yeah, 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 right yeah. like they bowl keck at like and bowl keck means binging <laughs> binging soap operas well, yeah. actually boiling <laughs> yeah like the direct term means boiling soap operas like dramas but it just means like you're binge watching yeah yeah. yeah, so they would binge watch like TVB stuff till like 1 a.m. And sometimes I would join them mm-hmm. and I get like hooked onto shows and stuff. So like I still had that. Which connection. ones? Oh, I don't remember. Oh. I honestly don't remember anymore. But it mm-hmm. was like maybe like 2002 to 2006. That's my jam. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was like the glory days. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely TVB <laughs> yeah, glory yeah. days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that fizzled out and, you know, I started watching like the OC and Charmed yeah. and then I really got into Western culture mm-hmm. and then everything for me was Western culture. Um, like, oh my God, I oh my God, okay. I remember why I identified with Banana because I did mm-hmm. at that time feel white on the inside, yeah. like eventually because yeah. – um, I, I remember very clearly, like, every weekend my grandparents would um, take me, like, let's go yum cha, let's have lunch at yum cha. And mm-hmm. then I was, I got so sick of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, yum cha again. Like, I wanted to, like, be away from Chinese culture mm. because, I don't know, it's almost like, oh, as a teenager, like, I'm trying to become mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. But then when I go home, like, mm. I'm going home to maybe a culture that, I didn't relate with mm. anymore or maybe like I didn't want to be associated yeah. with. Um, that is such a complicated feeling. Like there's your home self and then there's the outside of home self, right? Yeah. And I think judging from what you're saying, it sounds like you're, especially during those teenage years, right? It totally makes sense for you to want to fit in that gradually you just kind of like started consuming more Western culture because that's what people around you were talking about and listening to. I think that's totally, it totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, it just makes that home self and outside self a lot, like the gap to be a lot wider. Yes. And it's almost like I wanted to, like mm, I, it made me, yeah, want the distance even more. Mm-hmm. And maybe I like push the Chinese culture away from me even more mm-hmm. and then push myself tried to push myself into western culture Mm. even more um Mm. this just makes me think it's a little sad that we feel like a we just because we consume western culture now we're white right um just this i it just it's weird because of course if i was born and raised in america and you were raised majority of your life in australia i don't think there's anything wrong with consuming you know what's around you right Um, And I think this idea of rejecting um, your roots or your home self or whatever that is, I think that's a really common thing when um, at least I feel like it's not 
not common during your teenage years, right? Because it makes sense. You're forming your identity. And a lot of, I think back then, a lot of our, of our identity is kind of curated by those we are around. Yeah, I don't think there's any, if you feel anything about that, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, mm. I wouldn't feel that way. Yeah, it's just interesting, like really reflecting. And then I think it was, it, it's very hard to describe. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think you get it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, yeah. you got what I was trying to mm. describe. Um, yeah, I mean, these, I think this is why when I started thinking about these topics, right, more um, like the idea of whiteness or the idea of like, uh, being connected to your roots or, or whatnot like I didn't feel like writing was a uh, mechanism by which I can concisely deliver these types of thoughts because to write like we we talked about before you have to kind of have boiled down these concepts into really precise words and I feel like at least for me I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to distill that and I haven't been able to do that yet so then the best medium is this just like talking to you because yeah like i think even through this conversation i don't know if we've been we haven't been the most concise but i definitely know what you're talking about yeah but then you mentioned um well that you that version of you in high school is different from the version that i see today because i i remember one of the most distinct things i'm not gonna lie when i first met you i was a little intimidated (laughs) because I was just like, you know, you're super strong and you, well, you come off super strong and I, I know you are. Um, and whenever I meet like badass Asian women, I, I really, I really just want to be liked by you, by them. <laughs> so then oh I got God, scared okay. like, oh wow, like what kind of like image do I want to portray to Tina about who I am? I didn't know if like I can just outrightly tell you like, oh, actually, yeah, I um, consume a lot of like Chinese culture or whatever, but I don't know when the exact moment was, but it was really clear to me. Oh, when you started speaking Cantonese, I'm like, oh, wow. When did I do that? I would just overhear you talking to people in the office in oh, Cantonese. OK, because I don't do that often. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. You don't. Um, but I was like kind of impressed by your Cantonese. It sounded really like it didn't sound like some of the <laughs> like some of my friends. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you were really good at it. So. It just made me feel like, okay, there's layers to you that I don't know about. Wow. And I must find out. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, the, mm. the, the version of you that I see today is someone who actively actually seeks out that part, that home self that um, you had before. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, It's, oh, you see right through me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is very true. Because right mm. now, I think the last three, four years, it's really... I don't know, full circle kind of thing. Like I I do want to understand more deeply about our history and just, it's more just the being proud, Mm. um, being okay uh, with being Chinese. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, and I have heard a lot of uh, people say this when they get a bit older and they're Mm. like, oh, I am now so comfortable, you know, with being Chinese. And I think it takes a while Mm. for people to get to this point. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but definitely like I'm so happy that, I'm Chinese and like I'm super proud and yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I've gotten here, here. Mm. um I agree that it def in obviously like just from this conversation your high school my high school experience was really different um my home self I like completely embraced Chinese culture but at the same time I totally agree with this idea of it takes a long time or it takes some time for people to get comfortable with their identity right because for me I would try to hide that home self Mm -hmm. even though I was super into it right I'm not rejecting it in any way but in a but in some weird way I, I felt like I was rejecting it when I went out into the world um like I wouldn't like talk shit about it, but I would not, um, you know, just tell everyone what I listened to. Actually, the topic of what music you listen to was so sensitive to me. I think even till today is something that um, I'm a little self-conscious about because, you know, whenever people ask you, like, oh, like, have you listened to that song or whatever? Growing up, I didn't really listen to um I guess western music 
it changed once I was like in my later years of high school but in the very beginning I didn't so I would always have to dodge the question or I, I think back then it was really popular for people to like look at each other's playlists on their iPods and I swear <laughs> to god I would just like have a mini heart attack <laughs> whenever that would happen um so cute yeah and this was before and like I don't know if you guys had cable or like the difference between I guess normal TV and cable TV um, in Australia, but I did never had cable growing up. So all the shows that people watched on like MTV or like Disney Channel, I only got to watch if I went to my cousin's place. So naturally, I wouldn't have as many kind of like conversations. Yeah, I would sometimes try to find common topics but you know i didn't have cable so (laughs) um so yeah the most easy access thing was my mom's uh vhs tapes vhs yeah Yeah. vhs tapes. is that that where the tvb shows came from or did you have a box a tvb box oh no no the tvb box thing came like much later into like i think my college days um we had to go to chinatown to like to rent. rent yes Yes, I remember that. Tapes, yeah. And then you, you like had like, I don't know how many days or a week yeah. to watch the yeah, yeah, episodes. Yeah. And, then, and then you get fined or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. I still remember. Um, yeah. So my grandpa, if we don't go and rent the tapes, he would record. Actually, why did he record? Okay. I don't remember. But I just remember there was this. He was pirating. Totally. Yeah. Pirating. Yeah, yeah. He was. But there was this specific device on uh, that we had that rewound um, VHS tape um like super fast oh yeah 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 and then so like because we had to rewind everything to um mm-hmm. return it mm-hmm. and so he bought this special <laughs> device that would rewind the tape in i don't know like half the usual time yeah. that it takes to rewind yeah oh my god i had that <laughs> my dad oh my used to pirate the shit out of all of the stuff we rented from chinatown ours was in the shape of a ferrari it was a red <laughs> car a oh, red no convertible car or something and then like the hood pops and so you put the tape in and and then when it's ready it would pop open yes oh that's so funny that's adorable i haven't thought about that for so long yeah um actually then one of my favorite memories growing up was like on sundays we would um i had chinese school on sundays forced to go to chinese school um because you know no kid wants to go to school on a sunday do you did you learn mm. your Chinese actually from Chinese school or yeah. from TVB? And I think songs? a mixture of both, right? Because it's all about the whole like yeah, you learn it formally, but it's three hours every week. Like, what are you going to learn? Um, I learned my writing for sure, my reading from there. But I would say the daily enforcement growing up, especially when I was a younger kid, like just like watching my mom consume um, Hong Kong dramas, like they would have subtitles on the bottom, right? Like Chinese subtitles. So then as they're talking, I would see what the Chinese word looks like. So I think over time, it just kind of reinforced it. And I'm so happy, honestly, like so happy that I can, I have these language skills because it gives you another piece of identity that, you know, is like kind of special. But yeah, anyway, my favorite memory, favorite memories was I would go to Chinese school on Sundays. And then after after chinese yeah after chinese school my mom and i would head to like the local uh, the place where you rent tapes and then i like they usually have like posters um of like the more recent dramas and i'd be like oh i want to watch that one. Oh my god <laughs> so it's quite cute um and then eventually vhs tapes were like no longer a thing and we had dvds mm. and then eventually i just found out you know i can find it on some sketchy websites like drop drama crunchy roll or something um some sketchy websites um on the internet i can find them so uh yeah and so that's kind of been the process but i would never really talk about this with my outside home friends you you didn't talk about chinese school though with your oh they would know i went to chinese school okay yeah but uh like I, i didn't feel the need to like reject it but i did feel the need to like maybe not um outrightly talk about it because i think it's natural for someone who to want to to bring up topics that they feel like other people would get right and if you already know right off the bat they're not going to understand the concept like of like i don't know renting tapes because they don't show like chinese dramas on tv in new york city um felt like a really random thing to to bring up (laughs) that no one would understand so yeah not outright rejecting but definitely a little bit of like withholding and still to this day like there's a tendency to do that 
But of course, in Hong Kong, I can just outrightly say it left and right. And I think that's why even saying it on this podcast is such a big step. Right. And I'm like super proud of it because I think it's a sign of um, feeling like I don't even need to withhold that anymore. I'll just own it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think recently with the emergence of like Netflix and on demand TV like that, like I definitely don't feel like I have a home self and an outside self as much anymore. I feel more integrated, if that makes sense. Like I watch a lot of Western TV and I watch a lot of Chinese TV and it's all kind of just mixed into one at this point. True. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe back then to, yeah, it wasn't so mixed. So mm. like it was like different platforms and yes. different ways you have to get different cultural yeah like media yeah and now you can just go on netflix and watch a random korean drama yeah yeah so that's like really powerful actually that's I, so true it's crazy how much um i i yeah how much netflix kind of equalizes the playing field for a lot of different content because yeah now i don't feel like i have to hide parts of myself and more people are understanding like well definitely their gateway into asian anything is like korean dramas or korean music so that's actually i i i support that 100 percent because now i feel like yeah now i feel like if i did say like i watch i don't watch korean dramas but i watch chinese dramas it's less daunting to have to say out loud yeah I have a story about Chinese school. Mm, tell me. <laughs> Hope my parents aren't listening, but they already know. So like, <laughs> you quit school. Yeah. Did I tell you that story? <laughs> no, but I could guess. Okay. But uh, my experience with Chinese school, it was so depressing because I think I was too old for my class. So like, mm. I was already like 15 in this class. <laughs> and I, you know, like Saturdays, it's like 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, and I go brutal. to this Chinese school and every kid in my class is younger than I am. And then I still mm. remember like, what I hated was the fact that it was school rather than like just tutoring. I much rather like sit in a classroom an hour and a half done, get out. But like the bell would ring. You have to like line up in your classes. And I was like the old, one of the oldest, yeah. um, like a teenager in this class where I don't know, they're like 10 year olds or like 11 oh. year olds. <laughs> so. We had one of those in our class. Well, the old, the yeah, older one. Yeah, yeah, that random, oh. really tall kid. <laughs> and you're like, why are you in the same class as me? So but, I yeah. was the older oh. child in this class. And so I hated it. Mm. And it's so, I don't know, like, and I. I just did all the usual like cramming the day before like mm. the tests and stuff. So Same. I actually, sadly, I did not retain any <laughs> inf- like information uh-huh. or knowledge. Um, and yeah, and, and then eventually I was like, oh my God, why do I need to, if I hate it so much, I can just like go to the park <laughs> during like when I get dropped off because um, I get dropped off at the school and then... And then I would just, yeah. Um, what do you guys call it when you like wag school? So we say wag, wag school in Australia, but uh, like like skip, skip cut. Yeah, cut oh, school. cut. Yeah. Cut school, yeah. So then I would just wag. Like, that's how you guys call, what you guys call it. Yeah, <laughs> wagging um, school. Yeah, but yeah, I would just go to the park and chill and read for a bit, and then oh wow, yeah. I mean, I only did that like two or th- three times. Go max. to the park to chill and read very noble causes to be cutting school for. exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah um that was my chinese school mm. story so we talked a little bit about like our high school years this whole idea of like having home self and outside self how did it feel to then enter the workforce because i don't know about you but i felt like that was a whole other phase to have to adapt to Mm. But uh, do you mind if mm. we talk about yeah. uni? Yes, uni yes. And oh yeah, sorry. Trust. I completely skipped over university. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only because that was a big... Um, mm, for you. Yeah, a big change for me, like mindset-wise, like also culturally. Yeah. Um, because when I went into uni, that's actually when I met different friends and mm. I hung out with Asians, so like Chinese and like Indian. Mm. And then mm. I don't know why, but like there was all of a sudden this feeling of like oh my god I feel so comfortable Mm. I don't know then it was just so different from high school and it Mm -hmm. was kind of like it just showed me like a different perspective I guess or and these friends that I had like they came from another high school and it was a public school and it was co-ed and I was like oh my god these people are so different and Mm. 
I clicked with them really well. And mm-hmm. so it was very different for me, mm-hmm. uni. And I think that was the start of me just maybe understanding a bit more about, mm-hmm. is it yeah. Chinese culture? I don't know. Like, or just how being, to explain. Because um, I, I don't think, like, this is what we, we've talked about this before. Like, I don't necessarily have to be around, like, it's not, it's not like I'm going to be uncomfortable just because you're not of the same race, right? Yes. But it's, um, I think true diversity is just like the composition of a group. When everyone around you is, looks or talks about really different things, that's when you feel isolated, right? It's not about that individual interaction. It's about, yeah, that the composition of the wider group. And so, yeah, I think um, personally for me, I, like I mentioned in high school, like my group of friends were mixed and I felt comfortable there because naturally what that means is since we're all kind of different, people are more accepting of those differences. Whereas like if you were that one different person in a group of people who, you know, had very similar upbringings, very similar home selves, then it felt kind of like scary to have to put yourself out there and be like, well, actually my, I'm I'm different, you know? Um, So then that's when you would have the need to want to fit in. But if everyone's already kind of different, then it's more just about sharing your differences, right? So, yeah. yeah. So it's not about like being around Chinese people. Like that's never really been at least for me it hasn't really been like that's not the threshold for comfort for me yeah Mm. yeah Uh, yeah that's so true i think it was like uni just opened Mm. the world like to to me um and i (laughs) remember i got introduced to like that's the first time i got introduced to asian clubbing and so like we'd go to clubs (laughs) and it'd be like oh friday night is like asian night and so Mm -hmm. like it would just be like all asians in the club and i was like oh my god i love it like even though yes it's not about race but then there was also this sense of comfort i'm like i didn't know there was this thing and then Mm. it's it's like it's just a different sense of comfort i think that i've experienced i did that my second year of college when i went to shanghai um and i had a group of friends that where we would just like go out like thursday friday saturday it was a little aggressive but it's i don't want to use the word empowering but because that sounds really exaggerated but it felt good yep yeah yeah um so that was like that was a pivotal moment for you yeah i think it was not asian clubbing university yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, um, university. Yeah. Mm. There was this sense of comfort that I'm like, oh, I've not felt this mm. before. Yeah. Mm. Did that change when you started working? Yeah, sense of comfort was not there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my first job. So graduated from marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, so I was already working at this, oh my God, financial advisory firm. <laughs> yes. I cannot imagine you there. <sighs> uh I was a marketing assistant, so casual few days a week while I was still finishing uni. And then when I graduated, like they offered me to full, uh, a full-time position. So I was in a marketing team. There was like marketing manager, marketing coordinator, digital marketing manager, and me. Mm-hmm. And like very traditional marketing. And you can imagine for a financial advisory. So like do brochures, um, like print advertising. So... Yeah, it was not that exciting, but mm. obviously first job, like just trying to learn as much as you can. It was about like a hundred people in this financial financial advisory firm. And, but my team, yeah, like I was the only Asian, but the company had a few um, Asians, mm-hmm. <laughs> Korean, like Chinese, uh, which I clicked <laughs> with straight away. Actually, mm. oh my God, one of my, I, yeah. So there's a girl that I met at my first that first job that um i'm still friends with Mm -hmm. um today like we don't see each other as much but we're still following each other's Mm. lives on the socials yeah um yeah it was not comfortable Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah but then it was like kind of my first experience into like work parties and you know stuff like that and it was never fully comfortable in those types of work parties Mm -hmm. um also I, i do think the discomfort was just a mixture of like the job and yeah. um, the content mm. of the, like, you know, the type of company yeah. uh, just wasn't for me. So mm-hmm. it was a, a, definitely a mixture of things. Yeah. 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 It can't just be one thing. No. Right. There's a lot of different factors, but it was the same with mine. So my first job was at a major tech company, huge dinosaur level. Um, well, it's my first corporate job. Right. So like in my head, in my like, 
immigrant family, like Jen made it kind of thing. So naturally, I think one of the issues was a lot of self-pressure. It made me feel like I have to, like, because I made it, you know, like, I have to be happy here so then I can, like, learn as much as I can and, like, get out as much as I can. Uh, But then I wasn't very happy. So that, it just kind of spiraled because the more unhappy I was, the more, like, lost I became of, like, well, if I'm not even happy here and this is what, this is sort of what I was striving towards, then what will make me happy then? Um, But yeah, I mean, long story short, I think this company was just at least on my teams, like male dominant and white male dominant, much older than me. And it wasn't, I never really experienced any direct like racism or anything like that, at least not that I remember. But it was just, you know, not feeling like I can bring my whole self to work. You know, Um, I just like had overheard conversations where like people on my team were talking about golfing, you know, and like I, I Mm. remember vividly sitting there thinking, wow, this is the most stereotypical corporate America conversation to have. Like they're talking about golfing and how they're going to do that this weekend. And like, relate. Yeah. And I'm like 21 years old sitting there, Asian lady in this room going, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, I never play golf. Yeah. So it just felt weird. Like I didn't have anything to kind of uh, relate with off the bat. It made me feel a little different. Um, and then also just in general, like the... Because, like, the company was big enough where they just hired a bunch of people in the very beginning um, and then try to figure out how to give them jobs, like, what work to give them. Yeah. So for the first two months, I felt like we were just sitting around waiting for work. Oh, wow. And um, Can you reveal your role? uh, Yeah, it was a rotational program. And I knew going in that I wanted to do product management because I did a summer internship at a different company tech company before um and at the time i was just like yeah i want to try a product so went in with high hopes and then was sitting around waiting for something to do waiting for an assignment so i think it was a mixture of that um like waiting around finally getting it and then feeling really different it took me two years to like one and a half years at that job for me to fully feel okay with it um yeah and i've kind of accepted the fact that that's just life right like you live in a country where you're not the majority um so again it's not about working with Chinese people right it's more just how can we make the conversations more diverse so that everyone feels like you know there's things that they can relate to so that was my sticking point and then I went to my second job much better experience um yeah so definitely we'll look out for certain uh factors in my next role yeah yeah and so I want to tell you about my second yeah. job because I think this, like, as I was thinking about this, you know, mm-hmm. how we keep saying, yeah, it's not about race. Like, I think my second job it confirms that it's not about race mm. because my second job was um, when I, you know, moved into graphic design because then, you know, I got a certificate in graphic design and also I was able to find um, a job in graphic design. So this was like a small like fast fashion company Mm. and it was owned by a Chinese couple (laughs) okay and they owned a manufacturing um like warehouse in China and then they opened up retail shops in Australia and like I was super excited when I got that job because I was like oh like fashion and um it's gonna be like kind of fun and cool experience and I'm gonna be doing graphic design and marketing so like I from then on I kind of like marketed myself as oh I'm a hybrid so Mm. like so much value you can get out of me um and I did learn a lot in that job but okay so the makeup of this company was like the office was like small so there was maybe like 20 or so staff in the Mm. office and um or there was a there was a warehouse um warehouse staff were all Chinese mostly like Chinese who have migrated to Australia to like Mm -hmm. for their family kind of thing so they needed a job Everyone else in the head office was Chinese, older, uh, and then my marketing manager was the only white woman. And so for, you know, for the first time, I was majority, Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and then, um, but then, oh my God, I felt so uncomfortable mm-hmm. in this job. Um, I don't know, like culturally, I fully didn't relate to... Mm like this very Chinese culture Mm, at the same time. Chinese workplaces are a whole different beast. Exactly. So it was exactly that. Like it was a Chinese workplace and it was really unhealthy. And Mm. um, 
yeah I don't know it I think that's when I also realized oh I'm the majority but then I this is horrible yeah you know Ah. yeah so it goes back to um race could definitely be part of it right I I would say because it's but that's not the end-all be-all it's because of that everyone's bringing different experiences to the table and it's again not an issue of like one-on-one interpersonal relationships right it's about like well if everyone just kind of like has very similar um experiences it kind of naturally shuts out room and and air for other types of experiences that are not the same so it's not just about race right you can you can say this about any kind of dimension of life but yeah i i, I think that's a really great example of that and even like our workplace now. So it's a tech company based in Hong Kong, but we also have, you know, offices in China. There's a whole separate business, I guess, in China. And in the Hong Kong office, I feel like part of the openness comes from it having a mixture of like local folks, but also expats, and we all work closely together. So I would say again, like diversity and experience makes a huge difference because I think naturally people become a little bit more open-minded to things that are not, that maybe initially they're not very familiar with. Mm, no, very, very yeah. true. And I think actually is very exciting because we've always been talking about this and mm. I, I think we are getting really, we've gotten yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And I think you are able to now really you can write this down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the diversity and experience. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, I think now, like, going forward, like, going back, because obviously, I mean, for me, I'm not staying in Hong Kong for the rest of my life. Um, there will be a day where I leave. Um, and I think the same for you. But we've also talked about how, like, happy we feel working in the place that we work at now because we feel like we can bring our whole selves to work right like in a way hong kong is like the perfect place for this because it's closer to like that bridging of the home and outside self but the cool thing is like you get to bridge that and like bring it to work (laughs) you know um do you sometimes get scared that you won't have that feeling again once you leave yep definitely um yeah and I've been thinking about that as well because I am so like I really enjoy our workplace a lot Mm. um you know my husband always told me like since I've moved here and started working he's like I've naturally never seen you like enjoy Mm. your work like this before like you're just he's like oh I just I'm so glad we moved because like I love seeing you like this like Mm. um (laughs) Tears. Oh, <laughs> so yes um i really hope that you know when i do move on that like i really want to find something that can give me that similar mm. feeling mm. yeah because yeah you're right like i love that it's a mel- melting pot of people so that you can always find someone to talk about mm-hmm. something with so like whether it's you know our mm-hmm. um expat sort of um yeah asian expat group (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. or or, you know but we go out to lunch with like we get along with like local hong kong like just as well like oh i i don't think yeah i think it's like hong kong Mm. we get this and Mm -hmm. i feel like if i move back to australia like how can i find this um but Mm. the most similar experience i've had would be in australia would actually Mm. be when i was working for myself and Mm. i was renting a workspace with my friends mm. and um, this group of friends, like they're also a mixture of, I guess, races. So they're yeah. races. Um, and so like, there was like Filipino, mm. like I think Asian, white, like it was just a mixture. And mm. um, yeah, I, I just remember renting a space in like their kind of workspace and it was also like super fun mm. and comfortable. Yeah, and That's the only other time that like, I've also mm, felt, felt that. Mm. I am also equally as, you know, kind of a little afraid of not finding this feeling again. Because um, like we said, it's it takes a, um, it was a journey to get to a point where you're like, okay, my home and my outside self is like really integrated. It's like the same, right? Um, and I can all, not only do that, but like actively share it at work. Um, so that's one thing I, this is like, this has set a benchmark where I will always compare every subsequent, you know, 
environment that I'm in it doesn't have to be a workplace against that benchmark like it has to be a place where I feel comfortable doing that um and if it's not then okay I'll notice it and then try to see how I can move on from it right um like move on to another place so yeah I definitely think like any place that frames diversity around like hiring certain types of people at like as like just using quota would feel a little odd to me like they have to really understand that you're not doing this just to fill a quota you're doing this because you want people to feel cohesive and you're inviting diversity of experience and thought into your workplace because i i think that's contributed a lot to some of the create creative stuff we do at work so yeah i think that it's a very kind of abstract idea but you kind of get a vibe for a company when you interview with them right so i think the gist of it yeah i guess kind of um actually i want to ask you what you think about leadership in companies because Mm. something i've been thinking about is i feel more confident when i'm comfortable Mm -hmm. um my next phase or my next stage of my career is definitely like Mm. a leadership role right um and when i think about the workplace now i'm so much more confident Mm. to step into a leadership role compared to though when I think about oh in Australia I don't know if I can be as confident Mm. uh you mean you feel like you can be more confident stepping into that role here yes Mm. yeah I'm a bit scared like going back to Australia um because I know I have to try harder Harder. yes Um, I completely agree because we feel more comfortable and feel like we can bring Uh, be more authentic or or complete selves at work that naturally it leads to you shining right um it leads to you being more assertive and feeling like you can insert your ideas into conversations um yeah i feel like we've learned a lot about like how to uh like i i hate the term diversity as it's used in corporate America or in corporate jobs, but I feel like I know <laughs> more about how to create that in a work setting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. You described it so well. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, You're going to come Jen. back on the show, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was fun. Thanks, Yay. Jen. All right. Bye.